Romans chapter 11 uh, is a chapter where Paul is now going to discuss the future of Israel. See, he's been talking about their past and their present. And now as he talks about their future and writes to them about their future, it's not just writing about the future over the 2,000 years between then and now, but it's writing about a future that still has yet to come. It will be coming. It's coming quickly, it appears. And so it will be uh, something that they can look at and say, oh, he was talking about now. He was talking about this time. And so we see prophecy taking place from the past and, and to the time of Jesus. And then the prophecies that were then told to us from that time until now, and then end time prophecies. Part of that is covered in our teaching today. The nation of Israel uh, was disbanded in 70 AD after the destruction of the temple. So in 70 AD, Titus went in. He didn't mean to burn down the temple. He was told not to. And some of his men were a little zealous and they burned down the temple. It destroyed it. But we already knew that was going to happen because Jesus said it was going to happen. He already told them this is what was going to happen. And so after that, there was the dispersion of Israel, of the Jews all over the place. And that's why there were pockets of Jews in Rome and up in Corinth and in Greece, and they were all over the place. And so here, Paul is writing to the Jews, telling them what's going to happen and what got them in the situation in the first place. In 1948, the Jewish nation became a nation again. Israel became a nation and that was something that would have been deemed impossible because it's never happened before. That a nation of people were overtaken by an enemy and within 200 years usually they were assimilated by the enemy or they were just completely gone. How many Philistines do we see out there today? You know, I see some unusually big people, but I, um, I, I, we don't call them Philistines. That's not exactly what they call themselves either. But we know that uh, the Philistines were one of those nations that were dissipated. And we have seen many over the course of centuries that have, but Israel? They went centuries and then came back and maintained their identity and then reoccupied their land and now they are a nation again. 
Amazing. Oh, by the way, it's not so amazing if you read the Bible. Because the Bible said that's what was going to happen. It's amazing to the people a few hundred years ago that were reading saying, oh, God must have got that wrong. <laughs> no, he didn't get anything wrong. It's just that that wasn't the time it was going to happen. But now is the time that we see all of this taking place. Today's message is titled, Israel Restored. We continue our study through the book of Romans with chapter 11 and verse 1. Where we read, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul starts out right away because they were saying, well, God, he is not going to be doing anything with the Jews anymore. Uh, because look what happened uh, in Jerusalem. Look what happened to the nation of Israel. They're all spread out. Everything is bad there. And so God isn't going to bless Israel anymore. Here's the thing. When God makes a promise, he fulfills the promise. He made a promise to Abraham. He made a promise to Isaac. He made a promise to Jacob. And he's fulfilling that promise today. And so Paul is just saying, look, if you think that Israel is gone, I'm here to tell you no, because I am a Jew. I am of the tribe of Israel, the seed of Abraham, the tribe of Benjamin. So, you know, this obviously isn't true, but he was a believer in Jesus Christ. So he believed what his nation doesn't right now. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Key word there, foreknew. He knew who was going to be his people. He has not cast away his people. Now we're not talking about the whole nation of Israel. We're talking about those who were going to become believers. And he foreknew them. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he pleads with God against Israel. Key word, against Israel. He was pleading with God against Israel saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. Have you ever felt like that? Like, I'm the only Christian that actually gets it. I'm the only one that actually lives this. And there are other Christians out there that are actually coming against me for believing the Bible and following after God the way the Bible tells us to. Many people read the Bible and make up their own interpretation of what it says so that they can feel good about themselves. Oh, I don't read that part of the Bible. It's mean. It, it, it tells me things I don't like to hear. 
oh yeah. You know why? Because you're in disobedience to the Lord. And if you live in disobedience, you won't like what God has to say. But we're supposed to listen to what he has to say. And here's Elijah think, I'm the only one. I am the only one that's actually listening to you and believing you. And they are seeking to kill me. And, but what does the divine response say to him? Verse 4. I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And so Paul is saying, look, you guys that think you're the only ones that believe this. You're the only ones following scripture. You're the only ones being obedient to the Lord. You guys that think that, no, there is a remnant. It doesn't matter that 75, 85, 95% of the people are not doing, this, this is what my mother used to say. So if all your friends jump off a bridge, you're going to go jump off with them. You know, back then, I probably would have, you know, but the Lord woke me up from my stupor and now I, I am half awake. So when we realize that God's plan is better than our plan, then we start following and that's what was happening. There were some Jews that were actually paying attention and they received Jesus Christ as a savior because they recognized him as the Messiah. But most of the other Jews did not. He had a remnant. Folks, we are the remnant today of the church that started back then. You see, there was the church that started, the Christian church, the ones that were called by the name of Christ. And we now, 2,000 years later, are the remnant because the church is all messed up. If you hadn't noticed, you know, there are televangelists that are out there preaching a gospel that is not true. They don't stick by the word of God. There are good ones, but there are bad ones too. And unfortunately, there are more bad ones than there are good ones. And I'm not going to name names, but you can tell as we study the word of God, you can tell who those who are in line with the word of God are and those who aren't. That's why we study. So when we hear something that doesn't make sense or is contradicts the word of God, we can say, that ain't right. You know, that's false. That's a false teaching. And then you stay away from there. We don't have to go and beat them up. We don't have to fight with them or argue with them or anything like that. But we stick to the truth. And we share the truth. And that's what Paul is doing here. There's this remnant that are those who are according to the election of grace. You see, Grace is not something the Jews believed in. But there were Jews that 
chose grace because they recognize Jesus as the Messiah and they are the elect. We are the elect too. And there is a group of people that say, no, we're not the elect. Only the Jews are the elect. I, I was doing some research on the internet and I found this group of people that were very against Christians being the elect. And that when God calls the elect from the four corners uh, to come back with Jesus, it's going to be just Jews. And I'm like, well, where are we going to be? If we're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, then that's kind of cool because there's going to be some good food there. We're going to be, we're going to be dining. And, but that's not true because the Lamb isn't going to leave without us. He's going to come back with us. He's, he's heading the pack. We're going to be coming back with him. So, uh, you know, so there's a lot of unusual things going on. Would I say that those people are sinners and they're, and they're wrong and they, they're not saved? No, I don't say anything like that. But some people can read things in that are just too deep. They read too deep. They put something in there. I said, Jesus, they're reading into something into the scripture that's not there. Exegesis is reading the scripture and getting out what the author put in. But eisegesis is reading the scripture and then putting your own thoughts in there. And that's what a lot of people are doing, unfortunately. So we just got to read it and take it and understand what the author, not Paul, the Holy Spirit author, wrote into the scriptures. And if by grace then it is no longer of works. So if you're saved by grace, it's no longer of works. The Jews were still living by works. They were living by the commandments. They were following laws. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. If we're doing it by works, well, why did Jesus have to die if we can work our way to heaven? We, we could have just worked our way to heaven, right? Unfortunately, we can't work that hard. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. And we know that we're saved by grace through faith. And that's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, lest anyone should boast, right? So here, otherwise, work is no longer work either. And work can't get us there, is what Paul is saying. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So Israel didn't obtain salvation because they're doing it through works. And he said, what, you know, they can't do that. They can't get there based on works. But the elect, those that have received Jesus Christ, how? Well, Paul mentioned it in verse 2. He foreknew them. And so he knew what people were going to, and those are the elect. Those of us who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior has received his Holy Spirit into our lives. Then we have become the elect, and I don't even have a certificate for that. Do you? No, it's between us and God. And he prepares us for what's to come. Just as it is written, God has given them, the Jews that are not the elect, a spirit of stupor. 
eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. God didn't give it to them beforehand. God didn't say, oh, hold on, you're going to become one of the elect. You're going to believe in me as the Messiah. I'm going to give you the stupor so that you don't believe. Uh Uh-uh. It's like Pharaoh. When Pharaoh made the decision not to believe in God, not to follow what uh, Moses was telling him, uh, when he decided in his own heart to harden his heart, then God confirmed it. And it says that God hardened his heart. Well, he was just confirming what uh, Pharaoh had already said. He was just saying, okay, is that the road you're going down? I'm going to confirm that. And that's what God does here. He gives them a spirit of stupor that keeps them from understanding and uh, having a relationship with God. And so um, stupor uh, is something where you just don't see things clearly. That's what people are experiencing today, even in the Christian church. They're living in a stupor. They're not seeing the things that God is doing. Instead, they have worldly explanations for spiritual events that are taking place in our world. Unfortunately, we can do that too. You know, we've been praying for people that have different illnesses and so on and so forth. And when we pray for them and they're healed, we can say, oh, that's such a good doctor. Man, I, I need to recommend that doctor to others. You know, and, and sometimes we give the credit to a doctor. It, it, it's kind of like if someone goes in and has a surgery and the surgery is successful. Do you, as a patient, go in and say, okay, I, I'd like to see the scalpel. Can I see the scalpel? Because that scalpel just did everything perfectly. It, it, it cut away everything that needed to be cut away. I want to see the. It's a tool. And doctors are just instruments in the hands of a God who cares. He is the surgeon. He's the one doing the work. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. Die. It's because those are the enemies of God. And they were the enemies of David. David calls them out. You know what? Just... Let them be caught in their own stupor. Let them go their way. David was kind of, he wouldn't have been liked today. He was a hater. You know, when he had enemies coming against him, he prayed to God, punch them in the mouth. Break their jaw. You know, and, and what? We're, not supposed, we're supposed to be praying for love and, and kindness. Give them a, a daisy. And he, I believe we're supposed to love our enemy because every single person that you look into their eyes, 
they're someone God loves, regardless of how bad they are, because I used to be terrible. And if people wrote me off back when I was terrible and didn't pray for me, um, I probably wouldn't be here today. And so I know that God can heal, forgive, and work with anyone that gives their life to him. And he wants to. He, he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't rejoice over those that perish. And so, um, you know, but David had a different aspect. He had a different, that doesn't make David a bad person. It, it just makes him, he was zealous for God. God, these people are against you. Beat them up. Get rid of them, you know. But in the cave, when King Saul was outside the cave and then came in to relieve himself, his men said, you got him. There he is. Go kill him. Go stab him. You know, you have your chance. God has blessed you with, and he didn't do it. Because he said, oh no, God forbid. So we can see that David recognized the hand of God and said, no, I'm not going to do something that God would not approve of. We have to remember that in our own lives. Sometimes there are things that we do that God would not approve of. You, you know when you know that? When after you do it and you go, oh, why did I do that? And you cringe. I cringe a lot when I'm driving. Uh, you know, but that's just me. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. The Jews stumbled, but they did not fall, it says. Well, they're his people. But we know that many of them did fall. And when they did fall, salvation came to the Gentiles. The Gentiles were able then to have a relationship with Jesus because of the fact that the Jews didn't. And God opened up to... Now, was it always open to the Gentiles? Yes. But the Jews themselves closed the door on salvation through the Messiah because they ignored the Messiah. And so instead, God opened up that door wide to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness yeah, they made mistakes and now the Gentiles have been blessed. But now the fullness of the Jews would be even greater, wouldn't it? If they believed and they repented. Uh, for I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. Paul is saying, hey, I'm this is my ministry. I was told to come to you Gentiles and give you the good news. If by any means that I may provoke 
to jealousy those who are of my flesh and save some of them. The Jews were being provoked. They were upset that Paul went to the Gentiles. Remember in Acts, he, they got really upset that he went to the Gentiles. But he said, that's my ministry. That's where God has sent me. But some of them were provoked enough to where they repented. In Acts 13, 46, it says, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, the Jews. But since you rejected and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. And then he went to the Gentiles and the Gentile church exploded at that part, at that point. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. This is speaking of the first fruit of, uh, of bread when they're making bread. When you first make it, it's considered a lump of, of, of material, of, of wheat, whatever it is. And then they would give that to the Lord. But it's taken from the, the whole and that lump if that was considered holy because it was given to the Lord, then the whole thing is holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And so the olive tree, as we're going to be talking about, is rooted in the ground. And then the branches are connected to the root. If the root is holy, well, that's where the nutrients come from. And they come into the branches. And so if the root's holy, it's not going to deliver unholy nutrients to the branches but it's going to provide them what they need and if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree do not boast against the branches but if you do boast remember that you do not support the root but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, Consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. Well, that almost sounds like you can lose your salvation. Is what that sounds like, but that's not what he's saying. He says these other branches were cut off because they weren't receiving the nutrients, they weren't being faithful to believe, and they were cut off. But the Gentiles, it's not talking about the church. This is talking about the Gentile nations, the wild olive trees, them being grafted into the olive tree, the, the cultured and, and uh, olive tree that was being taken care of by the Lord. Uh, 
those were being cut off and you could be cut off also if you don't survive by the nutrients, if you don't take those nutrients and live by them by the word of God. If you don't believe what you're being taught here, if you don't believe what the Bible has to say and you decide to live on your own, you are destined to be cut off also. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, so if these branches that were cut off don't continue in unbelief, if they do turn around and then or believe again, uh, become believers in the uh, Messiah, will be grafted in. They'll be grafted back into the olive tree, for God is able to graft them in again. God's able to do everything. And he's able to graft them in. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature, to a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? A lot of olive tree talk here. (laughs) The grafting of a branch into a tree is something that they do. But you normally don't graft. It's unnatural to graft from a cultivated tree into a uh, you know, uh, from a wild tree into a cultivated tree. It's actually the opposite. They uh, graft from uh, cultivated trees into wild trees. And that's the normal process. But here, the wild trees are the Gentiles being grafted into the cultivated tree, uh, which is not the normal way. And that's how come Paul points out, this is contrary to nature. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Has that happened yet? No, because we're the Gentiles he's talking about here. And the fullness of the Gentiles hasn't come in. Now, let me encourage you. Get out there and tell some Gentiles about Jesus. Because at a certain point, the fullness of the Gentiles will be done, will happen. And then there's going to be this event we call the rapture. And then when the Gentiles are taken up, then God focuses attention back on the Jews. The 70th week of Daniel prophecy will then be fulfilled during that time. Paul is talking about it here without specifically talking about it. He's referring to something that's going to happen without talking about all the details. Romans was a very big book. One of the longest in the New Testament. It's hard to write a a book that long back in those days because the publishers didn't like having... I'm joking. There were no publishers. They, They had scrolls. And they would write on a scroll. But they had limited amount of room to write on a scroll. You know? 
oh, uh, chapter two is going to be on a different scroll. And no, they, they wrote it on one big scroll. So the letter would be transferred from one place to another, to another. And, and so they kind of condensed things to get the point across. And so uh, Paul didn't get into all of what's going to take place in the future. But he did say, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. All Israel will be saved. Every Jew will be saved. Eh. That's not what he's talking about. All Israel, as in those that are believers, will be saved. Just like we say America is a, a Christian nation. And we know that's not right. But we say it because that's our foundation. That's where we came from. That's, you know, what we are base our foundation on is God blessing our country, blessing our nation with salvation and it's not a national thing. It's individuals receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's not that, okay, everyone is saved because, you know, the founding fathers were saved. And, and that I even question. Some of their stuff, they were loopy. Uh, some of the stuff that they wrote. But I understood the fact that they wanted to have a relationship with God. And that's why they came here really to separate themselves from not being able to do that. The deliverer will come out of Zion. It says, um, let me step back to 26. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. And by the way, all Israel will be saved is future because it hasn't happened yet. And so this is one of those prophecies that will be fulfilled. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Be sure to know that it's out of Zion. Zionism. It's out of where Jesus is going to establish the throne again. Where he's going to come and set everything right again. And that's when the deliverer is going to come out of there. Jesus is going to come out of there and turn away the ungodliness. Verse 28, concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. And so they don't believe in the gospel. And that's why they were the enemies of the Christian church at the time. But they were still part of the elect of God as being the chosen of Israel. But that doesn't mean they're all saved. That doesn't mean they're all going. But there were some of them that are, that are going to be saved. And they are still the beloved of the Father because they were the nation of Israel, the chosen of God. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Isn't that wonderful? When God called us and gave us gifts, he doesn't take them away. They're irrevocable. 
we're going to keep them. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they may also obtain mercy. Jews are going to obtain mercy the same way we did. By the grace of God, he's going to give them mercy. He's going to forgive them. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or has become his counselor? I love that. Who's given God advice? Right? Who? No one. You can't give God advice. It's kind of like when I'm on the plane. I like to sit near the window. So if the pilot wants to know where to sit down, I can tell him. Okay, all right. I see a field over here. You want some place, you know, we're going to sit down right over here. That's ridiculous. He's not going to listen to me. Or maybe he will. Then we're all dead. (laughs) Who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And so here's Paul ending this saying, look, guys, we are just indebted to God for everything. He's done all this. He put this together. The Jews, they didn't receive it. They still don't receive it today. There are very few Messianic Jews, Jews that believe in the Messiah. I know a few. I have met a few. We have Joel Rosenberg who writes great books and stuff like that, fiction books, but he also writes other books. And he's living back in Jerusalem right now. He's running a a news organization over there and he provides news out of it. He's also friends with Bibi Netanyahu. And and so he has um, a relationship with him. He's also said that Bibi has home Bible studies. Uh, You know, so, uh, you know, it's just amazing to hear these little things. There's Amir Serfati, who is a a colonel, I think he is, in in the Mossad. And uh, he also has a ministry called Behold Israel. And he travels all over the world teaching people about Jesus Christ. And, uh, And he's just a wonderful believer. He's a Jew that believes and he's trying to reach. Now he's mainly talking to Gentiles, but he's still trying to reach Jews. And he lives there in Israel. His, his um, backyard is the Valley of Armageddon. How would you like that? You know, um, you know, woohoo, there it is. So, um, you know, and And there are many other Jews that I have met over the years that love Jesus. 
And I found that they have a different attitude about their relationship with Jesus than many Gentiles do. And I don't know why that is, but I believe that God has a special... God doesn't love them better than he loves us. There, there is no one that there is no, no one Jew or Greek, male or female. It, Paul writes that and says, hey, there's no one that has special status. You know, Billy Graham didn't get into heaven and they had a big parade. Oh, it's Billy Graham day. You know, come on, let's. They didn't do that. You know, and as a matter of fact, I believe that it, when he got to heaven, he just wanted to take a back seat. You know, he just was just blessed to be there. I know that for me, I'm going to go to heaven and say, I, I can't believe I'm here. There are many people that are going to miss heaven because this is all the heaven they need. They think that this is heaven as far as God has blessed them with this life here. Folks, this ain't heaven. Whole month of July, I knew that, man. I said, Ooh, this place ain't heaven, but I did get a taste of, never mind. Uh, so when we look at these things, we can say, you know what? Paul had the right attitude. There are some that are going to be saved. And I'm going to keep preaching. It may provoke them to jealousy, but I'm going to keep, everybody's not going to receive the word. Everybody's not going to be okay with what we tell them. But let's let the word be the offense, not our word, the word, be the offense. Let's let God do the work in their heart to draw them in because they will be drawn in. Jew and Gentile alike, they're going to be drawn in and there's going to be salvation. And then the time of the Gentiles is going to be filled and it's going to be complete. You know what happens then? I've been practicing. We're out of here. And so I'm looking forward to that day. Are you?